say that the golden age of television has passed us by. Some say we lost the innocence that once made our TV great. Some people like to think that their opinions are so important that they have to record them, put them out on a weekly basis for other people to listen. And well, here's a couple of those assholes, Ryan and Jules. This is TV Chinwag. Yes, it's another episode of TV Chinwag. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jules, and I'm here with Ryan. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Jules. How are you today? I'm very good. I thought we should get straight into some bit of news about TV, but really a bit of a discussion about how we watch TV. Um, Orange is the New Black Season 2 debuts on Netflix on uh, Friday the 6th of June. Sorry, I had to have a bit of a think there because I do live in the future and it's always already Friday here. <laughs> <laughs> but when you get to Friday the 6th of June, you'll be able to watch the whole set season two of Orange is the New Black. And of course, what people call binge watching these days is what, you know, we've been, viewers have been doing for, for years, getting... Uh, back in the old days, remember going to Blockbuster and getting out a whole lot of, you know, the videos of a season of a show? Yeah, and- <laughs> you know, I think the first time we really did that was 24, the first season of 24, I think. Yep. Um, and we went to the, literally to the Blockbuster and we rented the first half of 24, first 12 hours or six hours or whatever it was and brought it home and watched them back to back. That was that was pretty big. I think the other one that I think a lot of people did was Band of Brothers around that same yeah. time period. Um, we should, for our younger viewers, Blockbuster was a store you used to go to. You could <laughs> it, rent the videos. You the had to videos. actually physically. Actually, I remember back um, the, when the very first video, which shops which carried both VHS and beta or beta uh, tapes opened you had to literally sign your life away I remember having to take in you know driver's license passport put down a hundred dollar deposit right <laughs> to be able to take home the precious precious videotape and did you ever have to rent the machines as well uh, no I think had a, must have had a machine from the from the get-go of course you'd already was, had one yeah yeah um, uh, but uh, then, of course, you know, the shops managed to change over to, to DVDs, but uh, they're few and far between these days. I don't know if you've got any near you. You know, we do, and it's funny because these this is an industry that was dominated by the big guys for so long, and there was a few, like, mom-and-pop ones that just sort of struggled along, struggled along. Well, all of a sudden, they have the market share of everything because the big guys have gone out of business. So, yep. you know, these tiny little ones in the strip mall are, are filled with people that are still wanting to rent DVDs, which I think is, is very cool. Yeah. Well, There's something very nostalgic about about <laughs> going in, walking down the aisles, looking at all the covers. I mean, I can tell you 40 movies exactly what the covers are. I have no idea what the plot is, but <laughs> I can just tell you the colors and what it looks like and, and all those. And you don't... I, kids nowadays, of course, are going to miss that. It's it's not the same thing. Or going back and renting the same flick over and over and over yes. as a kid. And, uh, and the tradition I, of um, often, you know, a Friday or a Saturday night and you'd go out uh, and, you know, your first stop would be at the DVD store and uh, perusing the aisles under those harsh fluorescent lights uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and arguing over what you'd want. And then, of course, often, you know, you didn't have uh, IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes on your telephone. So you had no guide as to these movies that you usually often had never heard of. But sometimes some real movie nerds would have a little encyclopedia book oh, I that had would have my, every movie ever made and the ratings. and. I had my Leonard Moulton. Uh, <laughs> That's it. There you go. <laughs> which you had to buy, you know, every year so it was up to date. And I'd take yeah. the, the Leonard Moulton down with me. But, yeah, that was a Saturday night ritual was, um, uh, you know, down to down to the video shop, get the videos, then to the, then to the takeaway and then home. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. God, we're old. <laughs> Kids, you can imagine it like Netflix, except you had to move. <laughs> and sometimes when you found the right one, you couldn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd get it home, and oh, and the, or, the, or it wouldn't be there. Oh yes, and the horror when someone hadn't rewound the tape. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you needed a very large bag to carry home uh, uh, all the videos if you were actually going to binge watch anything. 
So, um, I mean, it's just because people talk about binge watching as if it's something that, you know, arrived since Netflix or Hulu, really, but uh, it has been around for a while. But what what is different, of course, is the idea that uh, a, a network or a broadcaster for the first time drops a whole season at once. And that's, of course, what, what Netflix has done with its original content. So there's no, uh, the first time you're seeing it, an episode a week being available, um, it the whole season would be there at once. Have you watched any of their content like that, Brian? Yeah, I, I have. Um, I, I know a lot of, I, Orange is the New Black, I watched the, the first season, or most of the first season, and I binge watched it episode after episode after episode. And um, it's a great way of watching it because you get caught up really quickly. Um, you know, I don't, I think this is a smart move by producers to do this because how many times have you spoke to someone who says, oh, I don't watch a show during the season. I just wait till the end and then binge watch them yeah. anyways. So in that regard, people can take their time with it or they can watch it all in one sitting. And I think it's really, I think it's a really smart way of going. I don't know how it hurts DVD sales or Blu-ray sales. But I, I think for a, a viewer's point of view, it's a great way of doing it. Well, certainly Netflix, uh, who are notorious for not sort of releasing their viewer numbers or subscriber numbers anyway, but they did say after Orange is the New Black was released last year that they had a huge spike in, in subscribers because, of course, that's the only place you could watch it. Um, so I suppose for them, DVD sales are less uh, less of the income generator uh and certainly i watched house of cards um the same way on netflix uh which <coughs> excuse me definitely uh again was a good way to get into what was quite a complex plot at times but do you think there's any times when binge watching something uh actually isn't the best way to go about it yes i i, I do i I think what will happen is you'll get to like what's happened with me where I watched the first six episodes of Orange is the New Black and thought, hey, this is really great, but I'm kind of sick of it because I've been sitting here watching it for <laughs> six hours and step away and never go back. Wow. And that's one of the problems. There's too much of a good thing sometimes. And you either you feel like you have to commit for another six hours sit or you just have had enough and you've got your fill and you move on. And it, there's not anything I didn't like about the show. I really enjoyed it. But for some reason, I just never went back to it. Mm. Now, it's nice to know that it's always there, but that also might be contributing to the factor of me just becoming apathetic to it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of shows actually, in terms of their narrative, uh, benefit from watching like that. Because one thing you don't get when you're watching a show week to week is it's not till the end of the season that you can really sit back and appreciate the season as a whole and the narrative structure. Now, not every show benefits from that hindsight. <laughs> um, sometimes the week to week you really enjoy and you look back and you think, what the hell were they doing? <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, how did we get from A to B? But a lot of shows, I think, do benefit from it. I think complex shows as well. I um, remember binge-watching The Wire, and that was certainly something that I needed to immerse myself in um, that world um, to actually be able to work out not only who was who, but to understand what they were talking about because there was a, a lot of local vernacular in it and... Um, Again, really enjoyed it. But, yes, there were points when I certainly got to, you know, wire fatigue after a while. And yeah. um, oh. it, it, uh, it could become a bit, yeah, I think you can get weary of watching something. Um, I, and also the other, the other thing I sometimes, and, again, it's about shifts in, in how you do things, um, miss out on that waiting. Um, now, I, people who know me know I'm not good on delayed gratification but um there is something great about watching an episode like you know say watching this week's episode of game of thrones uh talking about it with your friends analyzing it waiting to find out what's going to happen next um and and actually having that build up of emotion and anticipation or dread or whatever it is before the next episode which of course you don't get in the same way when you're watching uh, and you've just got to press next uh, to find out what happens next. Yeah, I, I agree. That does lead to a much bigger 
experience, especially if you have other people to talk about it with or the water cooler situation. All those things are, are very important. So uh, I, I really think this has to be the future of, of television uh, or serialized programming. It, it only makes sense. But hopefully we still retain a little bit of that old school wait and see kind of a vibe. Um, well, it might switch around so that, you know, in 20 years' time, uh, yeah, someone will be releasing uh, a TV show week by week and people will be going, oh, my God, this is so novel. This is how they used right. to do it, old school. And, yes. And, and the, that uh, novelty of waiting perhaps uh, from one episode to the next will be uh, people will want to re-engage with that because I am a big, um, yeah, I do like that. I do like the waiting um you mentioned 24 before and you know that's one show where every episode ended on a cliffhanger um and it was great to then you know have that week to think uh you know what's going to happen next how's jack going to save the world um so yeah again as we've talked about on earlier podcasts i think just the diversity of being able to watch these things in different ways is is to everyone's benefit and obviously to the TV makers benefit as well. Yes, it, absolutely. I, I think so. Anyways, it, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to think back in different shows that I've watched. But something like Lost, for instance, I'm quite sure I didn't start watching until the third season. Maybe the mid middle of the third mm-hmm. season is when I picked it up, and I binge, binge watched the first, second, and the first half of the third, back to back to back to back. And really enjoyed it because any of those cliffhangers, I could just hit play and it was solved. <laughs> um, you could almost time shift your, your watching so that you start in the middle of an episode and you watch <laughs> to the end and then the half half of the first part. Um, just so you're not left with cliffhangers. But <laughs> but when it came back on and it was on live, that didn't, didn't slow down the enjoyment for me. Even though it was a week in between, it, that still brought it back. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another... I, as long as they keep making good quality TV, I don't care how we get it. <laughs> well, as you say, I, I mean, the thing that's shifting and, and this really, again, to go back to, to videotape, as soon as we could tape shows um, and that control shifted from the people broadcasting to the people watching in terms of how we watched, uh, you know, this is just a development of that. So we do have, you know, if I want to watch Orange is the New Black one episode a week for the next 10 weeks, I could do that. I, As much as I like delayed gratification, I also have no self-control, so I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I think that's good, the fact that we are now in a point where we can basically watch what we want, how we want to, um, change, you know, is, is a good thing. It does change, I think, that broader public engagement, as you said, the water cooler conversation, um, It'll be interesting to see how it changes, I suppose, um, what do you call it, you know, the media around TV. So TV critics and that, uh, who basically rely on recapping shows each week, um, you know, what would happen if, you know, shows were all coming out at once? Um, How does that change their role in the whole um, process of TV viewing? We will wait and see. We will, and... You know what? As long as they're doing something different, I'm happy. <laughs> um, it just seems to make sense. Now, here's a great example, and this is going to be a show that we're talking about today, which is The 100, a CW show, The 100. Now, it is airing live, and I believe episode 12 just aired yesterday? Yes. Well, episode 12 is on Netflix already. So, it aired on live television and was available on Netflix at the same time. Netflix Canada, we should say. Yes, sorry. Um, in the US, it's not for some strange reason. Um, we have CW here. The show is on television here, but they also co-broadcast it or co-released it on Netflix at the same time. So this is 13, a... 13 is not available quite yet. That should happen next week. So this is sort of, again, this is another new model for Netflix in that it's broadcasting something that's being broadcast on TV and they're doing it week to week rather than dumping the whole season, obviously. So, right. yeah, so that's... still con- still controlling the 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 flow of episodes. So, um, interesting. So, tell us about the one hundred, Ryan. 
97 years ago, a nuclear apocalypse killed everything on Earth, leaving the planet simmering in radiation. But fortunately, not everyone was on the ground. For three generations, humans have survived up here. So now, we get to test the Earth to see if mankind can finally go home. Well, The 100 is a science fiction-based television show on the CW that revolves around um, a ship that's slowly filled with people that's slowly not able to habitat or habituate its own people and uh, needs to come up with the to get out of the ship so they go to earth which has been uninhabitable for the past however long 100 years 200 years 97 years um and they send a group of 100 quote-unquote the 100 young angsty teenagers down to the surface to I don't know, see if it's livable, I guess? Is that the reason why they're sending them? Yeah, they're, the, uh, they're the, literally the canary in the coal mine to, to right. see whether... Um, now, how many, how many folk are left living? Uh, now, I think, I think we're down to 83. Okay, uh, how uh, many are aboard the ship? Like, that makes it sound like I've actually counted, which is Right, really how fun. many are, are actually <clears throat> aboard the ship? Um, there's a couple of thousand on the on on the ship. So, from what uh, the backstory being that when there was a nuclear war on Earth, there were all the various countries had space stations orbiting the Earth, and somehow they sort of all joined together. So there was one super space station, um, and they've been, as far as I know, the only survivors of the of the human race for the last hundred years. So yeah, there's about I think. A, um, Wikipedia right now, uh, two and a half thousand people. So they take two, they take five percent of their population that is able to reproduce and send them to possible death. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, this sounds really convincing. Um, well, I think you the, can tell already by my snark. I was not a fan of the show whatsoever. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's it's. It's typical CW in the fact that it's pretty people doing snarky things to each other. Um, Nine hundred two one zero. I like this. I like this movie a lot better when it was um, the other movie from last year. What was that called? Um, sorry, the other television show that was on last year with the dinosaurs and the planet. Um, oh, um, yeah, Terra Nova. Terra Nova. Yeah. Um, hey, but there weren't enough to dinosaurs. To me. It, <laughs> yeah, they had dinosaurs. To me, this was just an exercise in getting young people on TV and nothing groundbreaking. Um, you know, as, I, I as essentially see it as Lord of the Flies in space. Um, <laughs> well, it just I'm, seems I'm going to, to I'm going to butt in here because I really right. enjoy the 100. Okay. Yeah. Now I I ag- certainly agree about there are a lot of very CW pretty teenagers in this. But the twist here is, of course, they torture and kill each other, which, you know, if you feel like I do about teenagers, is really, really satisfying. Um, so the 100 teenagers who get sent to Earth immediate, have no supplies and don't know what to expect down there. They soon find out that um, they're not the only humans on Earth um, and they're also uh, a various uh, bestiary of mutated animals. Um, and, of course, yes, they start fighting amongst themselves, um, bringing with them various uh, conflicts that were happening on the space station. So one thing I did like was that in the first few episodes, people you sort of peg as being, oh, they'll be the main character or the main love triangle or whatever, they get killed, um, and usually in really bloody ways, which was very satisfying. Um and then if you don't like teenagers, back on the space station, they're also dealing with the fact that um, the reason they've sent uh, these kids down to Earth is that um, basically the space station's falling apart and they can't fix it. So they've got a limited number of months of air left. Um, <clears throat> and so they're trying to work out if it is safe for them all to go back down to Earth. Um, and then you get a bit of, uh, let's call it Battlestar Galactica light um, up there. Very with... light. <laughs> Very light, although it does, I don't know, what episode did you watch up to? I watched up to four. Okay. So that certainly develops um, from from there on in terms of the the factions and, and the sort of political fighting up there and what the various... Um, 
parts there's you know there is a a political system and there's who's trying to get control and that's that gets more interesting um speaking of lost we do have uh henry ian cusack up there who was desmond on lost who we first mm-hmm. met pushing that button calling everyone brother right. um, and he plays uh one thing i liked and this is the um Battlestar Galactica light part of it is that uh, you meet characters who you peg as being the baddie and then you find out actually either there's someone worse or the baddie's actually acting out of uh, a reasonable motivation to save everyone um, and so they keep twisting it that way. Again, it's not, don't think it is Battlestar Galactica, but it, it has a flavour of that in there. Um so I've certainly it, it certainly throws plot at you at a vast pace. Uh, then they don't just you know the teenagers on Earth don't just sit around braiding each other's hair and <coughs> arguing over you know who's going to date who and take who to the Lord of the Flies prom. Um, so when they're not killing each other, they're trying to you know work out how to survive. And um, yeah, I'll, I, I, it certainly kept me engaged. So. I think you should give it another go, Ryan. No, I doubt no. it. I doubt that will happen. <laughs> I, it's just, it, to me, I, I don't give a shit about any of those fucking people. None of them. They could all die and I would say, eh, all right, good, they're dead. <laughs> I don't have to listen to them bicker and fight. And I don't I, I don't want to call anyone out or say, talk shit about anyone particular. But I just, it, it has nothing that I, I like about it. I like post-apocalyptic stuff, don't get me wrong. Um, but to me, this is just more about the love relationships, the internal struggles, the bickering, the power struggle, the stuff that I don't really care about. Um, uh, it, it's <laughs> Look, shot will, pretty I'll... nice, I guess. It's uh, it's a Vancouver production, um, so they are shooting it up here. I know that because uh, I, I know a few people that have worked on it. Um, you know, a great crew for when I've heard everybody's super tight and, and happy to be there. Um, it's the little show that could, it really is. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't have a huge funding or a huge budget, so they're doing a great job with what they have um, and making it look really nice. Um, so for that, I definitely give them props. Now, do you feel like, and sorry, this is me projecting a bit, but I sort of feel that this is the CW vehicle to make young teens famous. And that's sort of their thing, right? You're bringing them up like Mickey Mouse Club and uh, making the kids become stars so they have some fresh stars. Oh, oh uh, quite possibly. Um, I think, you know, and just to step back a bit, um, you know, the CW, which only came into existence in um, 2007... You know, has has had a an interesting development as as what is the smallest network on on TV in North America. Um, you know, and it did start off very much as envisaging it envisaging itself as <laughs> you know it was it wanted to be the Gossip Girl, America's Next Top Model type network. That's that's the Carey Diaries. That's sort of where it saw itself going. It inherited from the WB um, shows like Smallville and Supernatural, which really weren't where it wanted to go, but it didn't have much programming, so it kept these shows, uh, which rated well. Um, you know, uh, Smallville went for 10 seasons. Uh, Supernatural's about to go into its 10th season. Um, but in the early days, they were very much the red-headed stepchild of what was meant to be a, you know, teen, uh, teen network that was in love with, uh, yes, uh, you know, relationship-based dramas and things to do with fashion. But what they found out over time was that that wasn't getting them an audience. And then they had, I suppose, Vampire Diaries was probably almost, if you like, a bit of a bridging show. Um, and now, in you know, coming into 2014, basically all their programming, except for uh, Heart of Dixie, I think, is um, fantasy and sci-fi based. And it has become the network showing original sci-fi and fantasy <laughs> uh and i definitely think they've now you know they've really developed their identity very and brand very strongly and now seeing itself as something that can invest uh, in the people who make their shows um so you know there's a number of the showrunners make 
a number of the shows on the network uh, and also in a new stable of, of stars, if you like. And we've seen a number of people move from, say, The Vampire Diaries to Arrow and The Flash and things like that. So, um, yeah, I certainly think they probably see this as a vehicle for, for trying out so, some of those actors. Eliza Taylor, who plays... Uh, probably the main character, Clark, um, I think is is good and probably evidenced by the fact that I actually can't remember the name of any of the other characters. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't Jasper. Think... There's Jasper. Which one's J- Oh, Oh, yes, I can't. Yeah, he's dead, I think, uh, by now. <laughs> he... oh, again? again? He's already killed once. Again. Well, that's, yes. Look. I did, that's what I did like about it, the fact that they keep killing off these major characters. But at the same time, a lot of them haven't been around long enough for me to, to bond with them. Um, and as I said, it chucks plot at things quite quickly. And so uh, you're not really getting it. You know, it's not about character development. You don't know a lot about most of these characters except how they move the, the plot along, which is fine. I'm happy to have a, you know, a show that's... Uh, got stuff happening all the time now whether i want to watch that show for seasons two to ten is is another matter and i think if it gets I'm not sure if it's i think it's been renewed for at least the front half of season two yeah. um i think that's when it needs to bed itself down a bit and having established these worlds and the, and these characters give us a little bit more than that or not maybe they just they'll keep burning through plot and um uh, until civilization is re-established, and then can blow itself up again. <laughs> but I think it fits very—it fits in very well with what the CW is is doing at the moment. I think it's been moderately successful, and I'd be interested to know what uh, you know what people f- involved in the show think about this mechanism of showing it on Netflix at the same time as showing it on. TV. In some ways, mm-hmm. it's not that much different. I mean, the CW does make all its shows available on its website for viewing, but usually the day after broadcast. But I suppose it's, again, it's realising that people don't necessarily sit down to watch shows on TV when they're broadcast anymore. Well, some some people do, for sure, but not, not all the time. That's... That's true. Yeah, I don't, you know, to me, it just seems very contrite and um, divisive. Um, let's put pretty people on TV and make sure they're young teenage people so that we get that audience. And then let's do a story around that. To me, it, it has nothing that, that interests me. So I don't think I'll be back uh, to watch it. But I wish them good luck because it's it, as a bigger idea, bigger picture. It's great. Um but I'm just not crazy about execution, personally. So. Hey, <laughs> execution, now, literally, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, I want to ask you, did you ever see a reality series called The Colony? Yes, uh, yes. I, I don't know that I saw all of it, but I did see some of it. Why don't you So the, the base premise of that was they would take 25 people or whatever it was um, who applied and put them in a post-apocalyptic situation. So they would drop them in this warehouse in this seemingly empty area of the city that was sort of abandoned and tell them this is a post-apocalypse situation you need to survive with whatever you can find there's people out there that are going to try and hurt you and go and so these people would come together and it was a lot like this where you're stuck in the middle of nowhere using what you have to survive but Presumably it was a real situation and these were real people and, and real mechanics they were coming up with and, you know, ways of filtering water or dealing with food or uh, hunting or dealing with uh, intruders and outsiders, these sorts of things. Um, and it was a really great show. It had two seasons that ran. Speaking of binge watching, I watched one of the seasons in one sitting, you know, all 12 <laughs> episodes with a bottle of wine and a bottle of scotch. And, uh, <laughs> that's your way of surviving the apocalypse, obviously. That's right, yeah. We'll feel bad for those guys. Um, <laughs> you know, really interesting, and people would just go missing. And, the you know, the other survivors would be freaking out, like, where the heck, what happened to this person? And it was a, a really cool setup. And I, I, I think they didn't get picked up for a third season. They had casted a third season, but didn't get picked up. If you get a chance, uh, it's out there somewhere. It's called The Colony. 
I think it was on Discovery Channel back in the day. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was really unique, really interesting. I don't know how real or fake your you know setup it was, um, but definitely worth checking out. So if you like this, if you like Terra Nova, if you like those sorts of programs, um, you would definitely like that. It was a, a really cool uh, premise for a reality show. Yeah, I must get. I remember watching the first couple of episodes, and for whatever reason, didn't uh, didn't follow through. But I must. Uh, Terra Nova, as we mentioned before, was the one with the dinosaurs. Um, again, and that was. And it was filmed in Australia. That one, um, oh. I, I found that far too pretty, and um, yeah, uh, in fact, the opposite of the one hundred in that it was very. Sl- I found it very slow in terms of um, the actual plot development, and it underdelivered on the dinosaurs, which was um, particularly disappointing for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're a little tricky to do on a television budget. I think. <laughs> Though they shouldn't have promised them. I'm sorry. No, you, I agree. You promised me dinosaurs. Uh, so in that case, it was people who Earth was fucked and they'd gone back in time a couple of million years to before when Earth was fucked so they could fuck it up all over again. Exactly. Um, <laughs> look, I think it's – I do think there is also a um, – and we had, of course, Revolution, which is now being cancelled, which was another post-apocalyptic type show. We have The Walking Dead. And I suppose one thing that Walking Dead does it a little little bit more, I suppose, is, you know, the bit that a lot of us are interested in is actually the how do you survive? You know, how do you really survive when there's, if there's no electricity and, um, you know, all the things that we're used to relying on? What are the social effects of, you know, that sort of infrastructure being taken away? Um, so I think maybe the colony was a good way of looking at that in microcosm if you like because then of course it's hard to build a tv show around that because you do need some raison d'etre for them all being there (laughs) and uh Mm -hmm. uh, something that's driving the story i i was disappointed revolution didn't turn out to be a show i liked did you watch that at all uh no i watched the first couple episodes and it turned out to be a show i didn't like either yeah i love the premise of it and i think that idea of taking people like us and then throwing us into what's essentially sort of a medieval world um again under delivered on the sword fighting but i suppose you can come up with an interesting premise but you then need you know, a story to to drive it and and characters that, you know, people are going to relate to um, or a balance of the two. So I'm saying with the 100, don't care so much about the characters but love that they're throwing story at us. Uh, I think Revolution suffered a bit on both sides. Uh, I watched it through to... They did a really weird thing where it went on... They gave it very big hiatuses in the middle of each season. So I watched it through, I think, to the beginning of season two and um, neither the plot or, you know, and the characters were generally really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you didn't, you didn't care to take it much further? No. And look, I believe it got somewhat better and I do have friends who, who really enjoyed it, but um, I don't think it was the show I was hoping it was going to be. And, you know, I suppose, that happens all the time with TV shows. You have an expectation of it's going to be this sort of show and it can still be a good show, but if it's not the show I was wanting it to be, I won't watch it. So I wanted it to be, you know, darker, more violent, um, less teenagers. Um, and now I'm watching The 100, which is darker and more violent and has more teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, who who knows? Uh, and I am, I suppose, I'm, I am a bit in the demographic for these sort of shows, as are you, Ryan. And uh, But even within that, there's obviously a whole range of the way you can do uh, post-apocalyptic stuff. And, and for yeah. all The Walking Dead's been through, uh, which are a lot of ups and downs, I think it does the post-apocalypse pretty well. Post-apocalyptic, the best ones, Mad Max. Um, As in movies. Yeah. Yep. The Road. Yes. Um, anything else? Oh, off the top of my head, I can't think of any that aren't huge, terrible Hollywood blockbusters, really. Yeah. Um, Book of Eli? Mm, yeah. Never saw it. I never saw it. Uh, I should mention uh, the very first Mad Max movie, which was called Something Different. In over your it's called side. the Road Warrior, wasn't it? Over your that was 
Was it? I don't know. Um, it might yeah. have been. The... It's called the Road Warrior with, uh, with it's on him on the cover with his black suit and his gun in the hand. See, yeah. I remember the, the yeah, cover. Yeah, he's in like. leather. Well, that that yeah. was actually filmed here in in Melbourne. Um, right. So I grew up. Um, didn't grow up. I was at. I went to the university where they filmed the police headquarters in the underground car park. <laughs> My God, that's incredible! You were there. I was there. Well, it was filmed uh, about two, three, four years before I, three years before I started uni. So it was a wow, still a big cult uh, TV show at that time, and the very fact that uh, it was, you know, filmed around where we all lived was a big thing, and it still is a really good. Um, post-apocalyptic movie, uh, if you go back to the original one. They got cartoony as time went on, um, yeah. but uh, the the first one is a really dark and really nicely imagined future. Uh, that would be a good TV series. Yes, yes. Yeah, we could yeah. go for that. Ooh, we better write Speaking that. of good TV series, uh, yes. HBO usually does a pretty good job of that, don't they? They do a lot of good stuff. And the HBO network? The HBO network, yes. They, they do a lot of stuff. And one show, which I hadn't watched until you suggested it to me, is Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is the cradle of innovation. For thousands of years, guys like us have gotten the shit kicked out of us. Oh. Get the fuck out of here. What if we built our own company? This is my first official purchase as CEO. That's not really our logo, is it? It looks like a guy sucking a dick and he's got another dick tucked behind his ear for later. Like a snack dick. Don't be the guy that always asks, what if? Build something. Now, Silicon Valley's a half-hour comedy that is set, surprise, surprise, in Silicon Valley, the place in California, which is the centre of probably just about say the centre of tech development in the world, and probably, yeah. probably, yeah, I would think so, yeah. Well, I suppose conceptually, I mean, you know, most of it, yeah. the actual stuff is made in China, uh, right. but <laughs> um, in terms of startups and web companies. Uh, Silicon Valley is where it's at. So this series is set around a group of young guys living in a house uh, called the Incubator, uh, where they're coming up with various, you know, app ideas such as the Nipple Alert. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them actually comes up with uh, an idea, which in, originally is is sort of a it's a music app to tell you if the song you've written breaches anyone else's copyright but in doing that he also has uh, developed uh, basically a compression algorithm that gives you lossless compression of files and the big companies get onto this and and the first season is about his um, his travels through being discovered and uh, forming his company which I just made sound really not funny <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is funny the main character richard the one that did the development is played by thomas middleditch whom i was really excited to see in this because the, the only place i know thomas middleditch from is when he plays uh, a reoccurring character on what we talked about last week was the jake and amir web series oh yes yes and Thomas Middleditch comes on, I think he's done four or five episodes, and he plays an outrageous character that's really funny. Um, but I, I saw an interview with him, and he was actually complaining about that, because everywhere he goes on the street, people call him by this character's name. <laughs> and uh, he hates it, because it was just supposed to be a, this stupid little web show, but everywhere he goes, he's, he's noticed for it. So I won't mention the name, because it pisses him off, but uh, I think he's done a, a great job. I think he's perfectly cast here. Uh, you know, he plays a meek and nerdy kind of a guy, but not over the top, I didn't think, in any of those regards. He just plays a, like a developer kind of a, a guy. Um, in this incubator, along with him, are his buddies and, and guys that he's brought in to work on it. Um, the sort of the head guy is uh, a guy named Ehrlich, who's played by T.J. Miller. Oh, who is... Um... Just about the standout for me, I think he is. He's really funny. I, I I don't know what I've seen him in, and I, I apologize because I do recognize him, but I don't know from what. Uh, but he plays this really over the top, exciting, uh, ridiculously 
humorous guy. I, I, I don't want to call him a douchebag because he's not a, a bad guy or anything like that, but he's just really um, an egomaniac. Uh, and, and fun to watch. He's sort of the... So he's he's a bit older than the rest of the guys. He's someone who, you know, he developed something, had a startup that he sold, got a bit of money, but he's now a bit lost. You know, he's, he's not a has-been, but... You know, you get that sense that he's he's struggling to, you know, be relevant. So he's he's basically he's got a share house where he he lets, you know, young smart guys stay to, um, you know, develop their ideas, and he takes ten percent of them. Right. Again, I made it sound really boring, didn't I? <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's it's, it's funny. Um, you know, the other guys. You have Martin Starr who plays Guilfoyle, um, a stoner Canadian guy. Uh, who is a Satanist as well, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, just perpetuating all those stereotypes about right. Canadians, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Stoned yeah. Satanists. Right. Um, uh, Josh Brenner, who plays Big Head. We don't see a whole lot of him. He's only in a few episodes, but very funny. Um, people who watch the show um, uh, M- M- Marin, uh, Mark Marin's show, will recognize him as his assistant. Um, and then Dinesh played by Kumail Nanjiani, who I think is hilarious. Now, I known Kumail's work from other stuff, comedy shows and, yeah. and stand-up and stuff. So it was really cool to see him getting a role like this. He plays the nerdy um, Indian guy, uh, or Pakistani guy, rather. But it does a great job. I mean, he doesn't play it like you would expect it to be played. He plays it like an American would, uh, which I think is refreshing because... You don't really need the stereotype, even though there's a few stereotypes still in there. Yes, sir. Um, and that's that's the main crew of guys. Oh, one other main crew is Zach Woods, who plays Jared, uh, who's essentially like their sort of their manager guy that tries to keep everyone organized and on track. And you remember him from The Office, where he yes. played who? Who did he play in The Office? Don't ask me. <laughs> was it? I wasn't, was it no, Jared? I wasn't big it enough, might have been. Yeah, I wasn't big enough fan of The Office. Oh, really? Okay. Well, if you remember near the end of The Office, he came in. He, I think he was Kathy Bates' assistant uh, in that, anyways. Uh, he played Gabe in The Office. And look, the performances, um, you know, are real. I was going to say, you know, I could go through nearly all of these, but particularly I think Zach Woods playing Jared. Um, you know, some wonderful both physical comedy. Um, there's a scene that, or a sequence in one of the later episodes where he, for reasons that don't bear going into, he ends up in a shipping container <laughs> being shipped off to an island. Uh, but just his whole performance then, and, and then the following episode when he's strung out because he's been on Adderall and he hasn't slept for three days, um, is 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 both subtle and over the top at the same time and is just yes, you know it's, it's sort of like a running back his background joke um and yeah i think the performances really are what are what carry um uh, what carry this series what well, what else did you like about it ryan you know i like the fact that um they created the show to take place now uh this is a mike judge uh, created show by the way mike judge who's responsible for uh beavis and butthead um, <laughs> no, that was um, my really bad beavis impersonation that was really bad <laughs> um king of the hill um you know these sorts of things he's done movies uh different movies and things it's like very that. um King of the Hill in its sense of humour, I think, if that makes sense. If people have watched the, which is an animated series, and I can almost imagine this being an animated series, I have to say, um, but the sense of humour, I think, which is sort of a, just because, you know, you can say comedy and it means a huge range of things. It's, the other the other thing I might compare it to, so King of the Hill also may be a little bit uh, Harold and Kumar movies, if you've seen those. So, you know, there's certainly, you know, tits and fart jokes in here, but it also... But there's also stakes. I also feel like there's an actual... Something is at stake. And... Something's at stake. You do get... The characters do mean something to you, and, um, and there's a bit of meta there because it, uh, it is set in the real world in a way and i don't know if it's commenting on it as much as portraying it um but i think that's part of the attraction i mean this is nearly everyone listening to this will you know you'll know who steve jobs is and steve wozniak you'll you know you'll obviously know what twitter is so 
having a TV show that incorporates that milieu, I think, is is part of the enjoyment of it. You know, um, it, it takes place in present day time, and there's a bit of a, a dot com boom going on right now, and, and I'm happy for that because they could have easily have set this in 1999 or 2000 um, when the dot com bubble was at its peak. Um, you know, and people were doing crazy, ridiculous things. You know, I think that would have proved a really interesting, you know, vantage point to to tell this story. But I think doing it now after the bubbles popped and everyone knows how ridiculous things were then gives it that sort of self-reflectiveness that i i think is it's it's very cool i think it's it's a well done television show um i have to say i also have a well i would agree with what you say except part of my this is one of those shows i watch where i'm enjoying it and then when i finish watching an episode i start thinking of all the things that i didn't enjoy about it Okay. Uh, so uh, thinking about how to talk about it today was quite hard because I know I, I texted you a couple of times to go, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And I was. And all the things that, um, you know, and I'm someone who loves a bit of meta about things. Um, to give you some context, did you ever watch Entourage? Yeah. Okay. So for those who didn't, Entourage, another HBO series um, that was a Mark Wahlberg production and was basically a, a fictionalised version of, um, you know, what he'd experienced in, in uh, as a young actor going to Hollywood with his mates uh, and getting into the business and the ups and downs of that. Um, you know, towards the end of its run, it, it sort of just became a, a, a sitcom. But at the beginning, it, it, it the attraction of it was that it was portraying Hollywood in a way that I don't think we'd seen, uh, on it, certainly on TV before, and it had lots of um, hilarious guest stars on it, which um, actors playing douche versions of themselves or right. real versions of themselves, yeah. who are we yeah. to say? And so this is a, a little bit like that, I think. But one of my criticisms, I think, was that... I did feel a lot of it could have been set ten years ago, not just in terms of in terms of what it was saying and the and the sort of the jokes. Uh, and this gets back to expectations. I think I suppose I wanted it to be a bit. I wanted it to be more self-reflective and a bit more um, interrogating what it was portraying, or at least not just being um, uncritical or un curious about the things it's portraying um, because I feel that to some extent I've seen or read this before and this is not taking away from the fact that I found it enjoyable but you know um, you know from one point of view was certainly the portrayal of women in this show so there are no female main characters except for uh, there's a PA to to one of the um, one of the big well, companies. I think she's probably a vice president or something, right? Well, she does sort of PA. Well, she's... Anyway, there's one minor <laughs> female character. The other female characters are strippers, women who are paid to be at big parties, and a fake geek girl. Now, people will immediately get into arguing whether, well, yes, Silicon Valley is like that, um, but this is a TV show, and I just find it, watching it, it's... <sighs> That was unsatisfying to me, mm. and 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 the whole, you know, yes, they're geek guys, and women are this mysterious species that they don't understand. I just that's a trope that's been done to death so much. Um, we've seen that, you know, Big Bang Theory, just about every movie. Uh, you know, it's um, it's less interesting to me. I it, it throws me out of things to have obviously my gender, be portrayed as this really weird thing they can't relate to. And some of yeah. the some of the humour, uh, there's another sequence where they're trying to get this graffiti artist to design their logo. Now, there's some funny right. stuff in there, which I wish they had have taken a bit further, but then it sort of degenerates into, oh, we got this Latino graffiti artist who draws something really rude and, and he's all tied up with gangsters. And I don't know, he just felt a bit lazy um you know on one hand there's some really clever stuff in here and you know on the other hand i thought there was some stuff that just they could have pushed further uh, and i think that's 
I'll be interested. It has been picked up for a second season, so I'll be interested <laughs> to see how they push it because I did find in each episode there was often some, you know, the middle third could be a bit flaccid, if you like, yeah. um, mm-hmm. if one of the individual characters wasn't really pushing things or carrying something, like the episode with the... Um, you know, they come across a, they get a young prodigy in to help them with uh, their architecture on the system they're working on. And that sort of went nowhere, particularly, I felt. You know, it just wasn't funny enough. Um, and that's an expectation I bring to a sitcom, is that I'm going to be thapping, slapping my thigh every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I have to, I do want to say that their use of the vernacular of the actual programming language of, you know, the structure and all that stuff, I think is, from what I know, is is really accurate. Yeah, you know, that's, that's... Talking about, a... you know, different tables and, you know, lookup tables and things like that is, is great. And I'm, I'm happy to see that because there's nothing worse than as soon as it goes Bad to a, yeah it's it's some dumb visual representation of code or something dumb like that so in that regard i i really appreciate it and i think it's fantastic in that particular episode you're talking about with the young guy coming in a lot of opportunities to do some really funny stuff or to really change the the way things went but it was all build up build up build up and then no nothing yeah. like you're saying nothing came of it so what was the point in doing it the whole time and that's look you know first season of a show you're going to have the you know find its feet and so i do think there's a good core here um you know and there i'll certainly be tuning in to see what it does in in season 2 and i have to say both the pilot and the final episode were fantastic the whole um so without giving any any spoilers, it, it climaxes literally almost um, <laughs> at uh, a tech conference, and there's sort of a battle of the startups where they have to, um, uh, you know, pitch their their idea, and they get judged on that. And um, a shout out to our friend Elizabeth, who was one of the background actors uh, in the <laughs> the disrupt, which was the name of the the battle. And uh, at the eleventh, 11- I, I also like that they're using like TechCrunch and they're using real names of companies out there as well mixed in this. Yeah, and that gives it that authenticity. And yeah, that's the sort of thing that you know those of us who are involved or know or interested some way in that world, you know, are relating to. And the they basically get gazumped on their idea by arrival and so overnight they come up with a, with a new idea and the, the genesis of that and how how it comes about is is comedy gold. It really the whole the <laughs> whole is, final yes. episode and it, yes, it really yes. is. And that in a way, you know, and basically with that it's a dick joke. It's a dick joke yeah. writ large and writ yeah. amazingly. And yes. it's it's really hilarious and pays off really, really well. So As long as people aren't too overly sensitive. Well, I don't... It is an HBO show. See, that's funny. So I don't even think of that. <laughs> it's like... I don't either. But then I thought, oh, well, wait a minute. The average person may not appreciate the analogy that they use to come to that conclusion. Um... <laughs> Quite possibly, in which case you probably wouldn't have got to episode eight anyway. Yeah, most likely, uh, and it's HBO, so and it's HBO. they may have they may have ducked out at the um, satanic uh, church. <laughs> Actually, the, they have a they do have a sequence in um, uh, where they a number of the characters go to this uh, satanic church. Um, again, I'm a little spoiled on that joke, if you like, which is really making, you know, a satanic church a very sort of ordinary, it's in a suburban home uh, sort of experience. We we have a had, I should say, a sketch comedy here, show here in Australia, God, more than a, more well more than a decade ago called uh, one of its incarnations, so either full frontal or fast forward, and they had a running sketch around um, a suburban satanic church church where you know it was ladies bring a plate and um anyway a uh, lot of comedy milked out of that but yeah look definitely worth having a look uh i'll wait and see how it develops as to whether i watch all of uh you know season two it would be nice to actually have a female character in there somewhere who's not just there to get laid um 
but I won't hold my breath for that. Uh, we'll see how it goes, though. It will be interesting. Um, I, I'm not sure how they're going to write around it, but the the character Peter Gregory, who ends up funding the, the group, spoilers, um, he's the eccentric billionaire. Yeah. Um, the actor, Christopher Evan Welch, actually passed yes. away during filming, which is a real shame. Um, he was in his mid-50s, I think, and... Uh, uh, died of lung cancer. And a, um, so again, I think it was after really amazing uh, uh, thing. And, yeah, uh, and I think that's one thing I really liked, which they did really well, was they did take well-established character archetypes from this sort of story. So as you talked about, the lead character Richard is your classic sort of. Aspergery type, you know, programmer who's obviously really bright and socially awkward and that. But they give him a spine. You know, he does develop over the course of, you know, the season. Uh, he and the, I like the fact that they do portray these people as being good at what they do. Um, so even you know the sto- stoner Satanist Canadian, um, there's that that scene where he has to sort of pitch why he should be in the company. And when he does that, you, so these aren't just a group of mates hanging out in a house. They actually do have good skills in, in what they're doing, except perhaps Big Head. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and the again, so we have um, Peter Gregory, who was played by uh, Christopher Evan Welsh, again is the eccentric, uh, almost Steve Jobsy type, character um but you get to see his brilliance as well you know uh of and he's obviously has amazing thought processes is, is portrayed as you know he can make a link between quite disparate things that then uh become successful which is why he's a billionaire so i liked that side the competence if you like of these people they're not just wacky you know i happen to be a wacky person who's the head of this computer conglomerate um they do actually, again, go down to the fact that, yes, these people are, are successful for a reason. And they, they do a good job of it. I mean, it's I don't think we're breaking new ground here um, with the show, but for half-hour comedy, it's better than most things that you're going to find on the network, uh, in my opinion, on the, on the network channels anyways. Yeah, and look, I'm, I'm notoriously hard to please with... Um, with comedy, <laughs> for some reason. Apparently not sci-fi uh, dramas. No, no, really low bar there, and um, I, I don't understand it at all. So, yes, I will watch pretty teenagers killing each other for no particular reason, but um, when it comes to sitcoms and comedy, I maybe it's just that they're... The bar is pretty low on TV generally. And uh, as as with you, Ryan, I, you know, there's a lot of great, particularly stand-up comedy out there. Um, and sitcoms still tend to pitch to pretty much the lowest common denominator, uh, which when you've got a you know very well-honed and sophisticated sense of humour like I do, haha, <laughs> um, <laughs> is a bit of a challenge. Um, we don't have a lot of comedies on our list, actually, do we? Well, I don't think either of us watch a lot, do we? I mean, we've got no, a, we've we, got we a have few. some. We have some coming up, yeah. Yeah. On the fifth episode, we'll be talking comedies. So. We will. Uh, on the fourth episode, which will be next week, what are we talking about then? Um, we're going to do an old and a new, aren't we? We're going to do the Red Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to do the Killing. We're going to do the Killing, which. You know, uh, I've, I know I've had a theme throughout our podcast so far of different broadcast platforms, and the killings going to be jumping across those as well. So, uh, and a show you have a particular connection to, Ryan. Yeah, the killing. I worked on the killing briefly um, for the second season. Well, for the whole season, um, and it was a show that uh, I was interested in from the first moment I saw a frame of it. So. Um, glad that we're looking at it. It's something that we both watched and we both talked about before, but um, I think we I don't really think we'll bonded over. The, we bonded over the killing. I think we could say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Red Road is an interesting show. That's really coming off the radar. I don't know anyone that's watched it or uh, anyone who's seen it. Uh, have you had a chance to look yet? No, I haven't watched it okay. yet. I've, I've done some reading up on it, but. Um, Yes, I 
I'm amazed I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, because well, it's on the Sundance channel, so uh, people who have access to the Sundance channel, you should be able to hopefully log in and, and take a look at that. I, I don't know if you can watch it online, if they have it online or not. but um, It will be online somewhere. Yeah, somewhere it will be. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, remember, you can hit us up on uh, both SoundCloud and iTunes. If you leave us a uh, review on iTunes, we will read it out and send you lots of love or possibly just mock you. Uh, but not this week because we didn't get any. So we will hope hope that someone yeah, will yeah. review us for next Hopefully. week. Hopefully. Somebody's got to like us, right? <laughs> We, we like us. We hope you do too. Uh, talk to you next week. Thanks, Jules. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send mail to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and Mary, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.